are you? My name is Elizabeth Dale and I am a Cornish writer and blogger and sometimes podcaster who has a complete obsession with local history. I just love digging into Cornwall's past to find the the lesser known stories, the bizarre forgotten tales and bringing them to light so that we can all enjoy them. And today's story is no exception. It's somewhere that I pass quite frequently in the car and the name has just always intrigued me. So I decided to look into it a bit more and see what I could find out. Place names in Cornwall are just a really fun topic of conversation and they certainly cause some confusion amongst visitors. There are certain names such as Foy or Mausel that, you know, they just really trip people up. And there are also some amazingly bizarre sounding names as well down here that cause a a great deal of amusement too, um, such as Venton Gimps or Watermer Trout, Praise and Beeble, Green Splat, names like that, and they're often rooted in the Cornish language. And many of these names have have been corrupted and anglicised and their meanings have been lost or altered. So take Venton Gimps, for example, which is one of my favourites. To our ears, it sounds really odd, but it literally means in Cornish um, a well or a spring in a flat place. Venton meaning well or spring and Gimps for a flat place or a moor. And then, of course, there's certain names that are are started off as Cornish and then have kind of been changed to sound a bit more English. So a good example of that is Brown Willie, which is the highest point in Cornwall and which actually should be pronounced Bronwynelli, which means Hill of Swallows in Cornish, which I think is a much nicer name for the hill. And I, I kind of made... A conscious decision a while ago that I would stop using the name Brown Willie and give it its proper name of Bronwynelli instead because I just think it's a it's a beautiful name and you know it's our heritage and it shouldn't be lost and these names can be really important to a place they can create an atmosphere all of their own um, they evoke a certain feeling and because basically they can be a signpost to the history of a place, to that place's past, because they record some event or some episode that has happened in the area. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, because near the village of Crowen, there is a place known as the Hangman's Barrow. Now, to me, Hangman's Barrow has always seemed like something of a sort of dark and haunted kind of a place. And that got me wondering whether that is really the case or whether the name has sort of planted that idea in my head. And my imagination is taking over simply because this place has this foreboding name. Now, we know that place names can be created from endless sources or associations, really, from geological features, from people or animals that live there, from a particular event or activity, perhaps, such as mining. But each name, I think, tells us something. It gives us a kind of clue about that location, about 
the place that is attached to. And Craig Weatherall, who was really an amazing authority on Cornish place names, wrote, quote, Many of them, when translated, give insights into the landscapes of centuries ago. Some give the names or professions of people who lived and worked there all that time ago, or who even committed crimes in places like Landsnadrin, which means Thieves' Valley. End quote. So, what about Hangman's Barrow? Well, the barrow part is actually very easy to explain. There is actually a huge Bronze Age cairn, a huge mound of stones created three or four thousand years ago on high ground above the Nine Maidens Down. The hill on which it stands rises about 235 metres, that's 771 feet, and it looks down on the source of the River River Coba, which is the river that flows all the way to Helston, eventually feeding into Low Pool and out to sea. Now, Hangman's Barrow isn't really in great repair. It's been kind of messed around with over the years, but it is still a great example of a curbed cairn, which basically means it's a burial mound which has been constructed of earth and loose stones but around the outer edge there's this beautiful curb of upright stones and it's a massive monument it measures about 30 meters in diameter and is roughly three meters high now interestingly when charles thomas recorded the cairn in 1851 he also noted that it was standing on a sort of raised platform about half a meter high but that that just isn't visible today and from the barrow you have these amazing extensive views over the surrounding countryside now some of the damage to the monument was probably caused by stone robbing that's taking the stones away basically to build other structures like hedges or or houses but inevitably some of the damage has been caused by treasure hunters unfortunately at one time treasure hunters digging out sections of these ancient cairns was really quite common there were so many stories of buried treasure that it was just too tempting for people and hangman's barrow is no exception to that a man called john harris wrote in his book entitled my autobiography published in 1882 that his aunt catherine lived in a one chimneyed house on the nine maidens down close to hangman's barrow and he wrote in that book quote a crock of guineas lay beneath the stones end quote so that almost certainly would have attracted people to the cairn um, and they would be looking to get rich quick by digging into it to discover the treasure that was buried beneath these kind of cairns were frequently constructed in impressive places in the landscape often on or near the summit of of hills And they would also contain stone-lined compartments known as kists, where the human remains often cremated would be deposited, and sometimes other objects such as urns would be placed there too. However, Cornish barrows didn't always contain a burial at all. A lot of the ones that have been excavated have had no evidence of a burial inside. And so there's this idea that barrows and cairns may well have been sort of a focal point for communities acting as sort of 
maybe ritual centres that were as much for the living as they were for the dead. Now, without further investigation, it's unclear which camp Hangman's Barrow falls into, whether there's a burial there or not. But it's kind of interesting to place it in its context in the landscape that surrounds it, however. And despite the fact that Crowan and therefore Hangman's Barrow is a long way from the areas of Penwith and Bodmin Moor, the places that are traditionally really well known for ancient monuments, Hangman's Barrow is not in isolation in uh, its landscape. There are several other ancient sites nearby including um, other cairns on Crowan Beacon and on Carmen Ellis. And there's the amazing cut mark stones that can be found around the edges of Stythian's Lake. And as well as that, there is the remains of the Nine Maidens Circles in the valley just below. And there's Carwin and Coit nearby and um, Trenere Mortar, Mortar Stone also just a short distance away. So put all that together and suddenly the landscape around the barrow just seems to be filled with ancient monuments. In an area of Cornwall that is traditionally kind of thought of as being quite barren of prehistoric remains. But back to the name. So how exactly did this particular barrow come to be known by its rather unusual name? Now one theory is that it derives from the Cornish henmen meaning old stones. So basically henmen has been corrupted to hangman which is all very well and good if there weren't so many folklore references to Hangman's Barrow as well. And indeed, there are some very strange stories that just seem to haunt this place and pop up again and again from several different sources. And these are dark stories of murder and execution. So the tale that is told about Hangman's Barrow is that close to that spot, an evil man murdered a husband and wife in cold blood. There was apparently no reason for this violent act, although some accounts say that it was a robbery. Now, this nasty fellow had tried as well to take the life of the couple's young son, but the boy had managed to escape. Luckily, he had run away and hidden in some kind of culvert or drain, and the attacker had been unable to reach him inside, so the boy had escaped. Then many years later, this same boy, who was now a grown man, he was driving a horse and cart near Crowan, and happened to pass a traveller on the road and offered to give him a lift. They, their journey took them close to Hangman's Barrow, the very place where the murders had taken place all those years ago. And to the young man's surprise, the traveller became sort of very agitated and pointed to the exact spot where the attack had happened and said, years ago, it was there that I killed a buck and a doe and their young got away into a culvert and I could not get him, so he escaped. And the young man knew immediately that the traveller that he had picked up 
He knew what he was talking about and he suddenly realised that this was the man who had killed his parents. But he managed to say nothing until he could get some help in the village and the son somehow managed to deliver his parents' murderer to the authorities. Now, the Reverend S. Rundle wrote in the Journal of the Royal Institute of Cornwall in 1899, quote, Soon after the man was sentenced to death by a lingering mode of exposure in an iron cage, and from this very circumstance, the cairn of stones took the name of Hangman's Barrow. So inevitably, dramatic stories like this one are going to be passed down through the generations and probably evolve a little bit as they go. So there is now this assumption that Hangman's Barrow takes its name from these terrible circumstances, not just the terrible murder, but also the execution of the murderer himself, which appears to have been one of those really grisly executions where they, they hung the person in a cage um, suspended above the ground until they they basically died of exposure or, or thirst or starvation. There is just one problem with this story, however, and that is so far in all my research, I haven't been able to find any original sources for this story. It's repeated and repeated in different places, but I can't find any original sources. We don't even know when it was supposed to have happened, what century it was supposed to have happened in. But that by no means implies that there isn't some truth in that story. And that is how Hangman's Barrow came by its unusual name. And to be honest, I'm really, really glad that I've done the research into this that I have because the name always intrigued me. And now when I drive past this place, I won't just be thinking, what a strange name. I will be thinking about the story that I've just told you. So I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And if you want to discover a bit more about place names in Cornwall, I would highly recommend trying to get hold of a copy of Craig Wetherill's um, Place Names in Cornwall and Silly. It's an amazing resource. In fact, any of his books are, are just brilliant. So if you come across any, snap them up. And apart from that, just left for me to say thank you so much for joining me. And also a huge thank you to everyone that is supporting me on Patreon. Um, it really, really does help me to use these platforms to keep researching and keep discovering these stories about Cornwall. And if you have liked today's episode or any of my episodes, please just take a moment to like and to share so that I can spread the word of Cornish history to lots more people. Okay, thank you so much and I will speak to you very soon. Bye for now.